You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Wednesday edition. Brian Peacock at BD Peacock. As always with Eric Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker. And of course, it is a Wednesday, which means it's a Winky Wednesday. Our guest at Bay Area Wink on Twitter. Getting into the latest going on with the 49ers. A couple of your questions. We've gotten all of our off-topic stuff out of the way. We've talked about softball swings. I've done a film breakdown for Crocker with his softball swing. It's looking good. He's, he's starting in a good place. He's an athlete, so that's all going to work out great. I like the way he grunts when he swings the bat. Uh, let's everybody knows he's serious about his swing. Wink coming off a, a golf outing, I think, just before we recorded. Wink, would you break 80? Uh, you know, we uh, we played Cypress Point, which is uh, one of the most exclusive country clubs. I got a buddy who got me out there, and uh, we did what's called the caddy route. So we just played 13 holes, and uh, it's understand. right along the Pacific Ocean. Like, it's just epic. But he, uh, I don't know if he's going to invite me back because he was leading. We were doing head-to-head little match play. <laughs> And uh, he was up by two with four to play. And I was just like, dude, here we go. Now I'm going to start playing. And, you know, just joking. But then I parred all four holes going in and won all four and won by two. And he, <laughs> Wait, he just kept is... being like, he just had all these little like, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have helped you with that, that distance on that one. And I was like, oh, all right, all right. Wait, like wait, what, what's the caddy route? You play 13 holes? I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like you go out six holes and then you come back like 11 through 16 and the 16 is this epic hole. Look it up. Cypress Point. It's this beautiful, like you hit over the ocean. You know, it's this iconic hole. And uh, that's 16. So we finish on that and then and then come in. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It, what's amazing about country clubs is I've, this is only my second time I've ever played at one. There was one other group out there that we saw the whole day. That's amazing. You never, I mean, that's what you pay for right. when you're in a country club is, yeah, you pay for not having to wait and, and you know, just kind of privacy but yeah the, the whole time we never waited you know you there's one group out there and we just kind of wave at them like hey guys oh cypress Point. A lot it's of money one of those this. it's one of those courses next to pebble beach right in the vicinity it's between pebble beach and the monterey peninsula country club yeah, yeah there's some legit golf in monterey that's for sure yeah especially if you know the right people you know the right people or have a lot of money that you're willing to spend on <laughs> that golf i don't have <laughs> i know which one of those it was for you <laughs> Um, all right, so Croc, I want to actually, let's start here because you did a Croc Talk TV episode today, which uh, I saw it was on Twitter. It's going to go to all the, your, um, all the podcast places as well, right? Croc Talk you can right. find on Apple and Spotify and all those same places you can find this podcast. Go check out Croc Talk. But uh, I always like to watch, I like to see your, your face, Croc, when you're talking about these things. It really, it really, uh, it really brings it home. So I know what you mean, and I, and I feel what you're saying. We're talking about Nikhil Harry. One of the big stories this week is Nikhil Harry's agent is requesting a trade from the team that drafted him in the first round not that long ago, a couple years ago, 2019 first round pick. He went a few spots ahead of Debo Samuel out of Arizona State. Nikhil Harry he wants out of New England, which is not surprising. Uh, that would probably be the best thing for him and everybody involved if he did leave New England, but. Your episode, and I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, Croc, but you talked about a top five potential landing spots for Nikhil Harry. Were these landing spots for Nikhil specific, for the Patriots, or for the team that would be 
landing Nikhil Harry, and we're the 49ers, as a lot of 49ers fans, I'm judging by what I've seen on Twitter today, suspect that he would be a good fit. Were the 49ers one of those top five teams for you? Yeah, 49ers were actually right there at five. There were some other teams, when you start kind of digging into some rosters and looking at receiving cores, you're like, oh, some of these teams are doing really bad. With the 49ers, I think they're pretty set with their targets, but they're, the, the, the thing for for the 49ers when it comes to Nikhil Harry, he brings an aspect to the offense that the 49ers just don't have. So that's why he's a good fit for the 49ers. You look at the the, the roster, you know, you have Debo Samuel, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have George Kittle. So you have a legit top three targets, right? So now you just need a guy, can you fill a Kendrick Bourne type role and potentially maybe take it to the next level? But, you know, if the 49ers were a team that is in on him, I think it would be with the thought process of finally having a big body guy that's a contested catch guy, 50-50 ball getter, and maybe help in some way uh, improve the red zone efficiency from a passing standpoint because right now you don't have that guy that can just really bail you out down there. Yeah, I obviously have some guys that can create separation or you could use Debo Samuel in different ways to get him in the, into the end zone. George Kittle does a good job of route running and maybe can get schemed open. But a guy that's just like, well, he's not open, but I'm just going to throw it up to him anyways. 49ers absolutely don't have that guy. And I feel like Nikhil Harry, for the right price, because now you're talking about him coming in and being like a fourth option, right? But for the right price, I think the 49ers are a good fit. Maybe not as good or they're, they're not in as dire need as maybe some other teams. Also, 49ers have some receivers that they already have on the roster where it's like, man, I think this guy can do this, but we just can't get him on the field. And that's Jalen Hurd, right. right? So maybe you want to see what you have in those guys and whatnot, and he can compete. But are you trading for a guy like Nikhil Harry to just compete for a roster spot mm. when you have some other guys? So it's it's a sticky situation, but I do think he brings an element uh, to the 49ers offense that they just currently don't have. It's Yeah, it's tough because, sure, bring him in, but... What's the cost going to be, Wink? Do you have a, a feeling about Nikhil Harry? So hold on. Before I ask you what you think you would give up for Nikhil Harry, if Bill Belichick or whoever's their acting GM these days gave you a call and you were sitting in John Lynch's seat. So year one, 2019, Nikhil was hurt a little bit, still started uh, started five games, played seven games, only caught 12 passes for 105 yards, two touchdowns. Last year, he started nine games, caught 33 balls for 309 yards. So overall, he's played in 21 games, started 14 of them, a total of 45 catches for 414 yards and four touchdowns. He's been a huge disappointment as a first-round pick for the New England Patriots. What's interesting, though, Croc, is you brought up Kendrick Bourne, and the, the, the Patriots gave Kendrick Bourne a bunch of money to play in front of Nikhil Harry. So like, even if you wanted to replace Kendrick Bourne's production for the 49ers, I don't know, think you should expect that right now because Nikhil Harry hasn't even proven that. And the team that has Nikhil Harry went out and got Kendrick Bourne, gave him too much money just so they didn't have to play Nikhil Harry as a starter. So that that tells me that his value is not high at all in the trade market. And I wouldn't be willing to give up much. Wink, what do you think? What would you give up for someone like Nikhil Harry? He, he had first round pedigree, but hasn't done anything in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think that you said it. I don't think you give up anything for him. I, I think you wait for them to cut him because... I mean, there might be some teams that come calling. I, I know one team that right off the top of my mind that maybe this is a spoiler for your episode, Croc, but the Detroit Lions. Like, I think they just have one receiver last year uh, on their squad that actually caught a ball for them last year. And I think Rashad Perryman is their number one receiver or something right now. Like, mm -hmm. they're they're hurting for a guy like that. They might actually give up, you know, a later round selection. 
uh, for the possibility of a former first round draft pick. But as a 49er fan, somebody, you know, that, that has looked at how much they've traded away in, in draft capital. I just I just don't think you can go after a guy who at this point appears to be a huge bust. You know, the funny thing is you look at like 49ers Twitter right now and it's erupting with, oh, they got to get in the kill Harry. And that mm-hmm. is so like what they're still thinking that the kill Harry come from Arizona State. Right. He right. has two years, you know, for the most part worth of film that is below average. So whatever you thought he was as a prospect, now we actually have footage of what he is as a professional. And those two things aren't mirroring up. They're not matching up with each other. So people are probably thinking, oh, third round pick. I, you know, when I was live on YouTube, I got that in the, in the, in the chat. Oh, third round pick. And I'm like, I wouldn't give up a third round pick for him. No. Like, what has he done? If he were, if, if he were someone and his name was not Nikhil Harry, how would he be viewed then? Right. You know, like if you look at his numbers and his production and what he's been to a New England Patriots team, a team that was quarterbacked by Tom Brady first, and then obviously, you know, up and down last year with Cam Newton. But we just look at the whole thing and, and his numbers and what it looks like. Nobody would be saying, oh, let's throw draft capital. As a matter of fact, you got everybody would be like, well, let's just wait till he hits waivers because they should be cutting him, right? That's what you would be thinking. But because his name is Nikhil Harry, he's like, uh, right. well, we got to have him. And it's like, ah, oh, man, like, again, he brings something different that the 49ers don't have. But I don't even know if he's better than a Jalen Hurd or a Jawan Jennings. I just know that he is healthier than them. And at least right. that's some value there. Yeah, you, I don't think you could expect much if you did trade for him because he's on, if anything, he's on the Dante Pettis career path right now for the Patriots. And you're right, yeah, if his name was Harry Neal and he wasn't a former first-round pick, you'd be like, you'd look at this guy and be like, yeah, I'm not going to pay anything for one of those guys. So, um, yeah, right. sixth, seventh-round pick. Maybe I'll add him to my practice squad. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so, look, competition, yes, and the 49ers maybe could use some more competition, but he's kind of more of the same. What the 49ers have was like, I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from this guy. So, look, he's 6'2", 228. He's a big guy. He actually ran okay, four five three coming out of school, 27 bench press reps. You know, he's he was a jump ball guy. Um, 38 and a half inch vertical, like that was his strength at Arizona State. But it's pretty telling that a lot of the highlight reels I've seen today about 49ers fans saying, hey, we should bring in Nikhil Harry. They're not showing Patriots highlights. They're showing Arizona State highlights, right? So he's had two years (laughs) of very non-highlight play so far for the Patriots in the NFL. And what's weird is apparently Kyle Shanahan liked him and the 49ers liked him more than Debo and might've selected him in the second round. If he was there, that's what one of the reports and I can't, this is just based off memory. I can't remember where the report came from, if it was a legit report or not, but that maybe they liked him a lot. Uh, I think they would have mm-hmm. obviously had to adjust things. They liked Dante Pettis a lot before they cut him. Right. So you, but he's, he's not someone who separates a lot. He doesn't have deep speed he doesn't really seem like a Shanahan type of wide receiver at all. So I was surprised when I heard that they liked Nikhil Harry and maybe it's the Arizona state thing and Herm Edwards. And I know there's a connection there and that had a lot to do with Brandon Ayuk becoming a 49er. So is that enough? Just that the, their coach who they trust said a lot of good things about him before the draft. I don't know, but I, I don't feel like Harry's a great fit, but if anything, maybe he could be in that competition with Muhammad Sanu, who's not, you know, the most explosive player, big, strong guy, um, Juwan Jennings and kind of compete with those guys for the bigger body role on the 49ers. And I wouldn't even put him in Jalen Hurd's class because Jalen Hurd is way more explosive, I think, as an athlete, if healthy. But obviously, we don't know what's going on with Jalen Hurd. So that's kind of it. It's like 
just add another body because there's so many questions for the 49ers? Sure, but it better not cost anything. I did see some people like saying, well, maybe a conditional fifth round pick or something like that. And I, I could see if you're kind of just gambling on like he, he did have talent. He was very productive. Mm-hmm. He did these things. I didn't care for him. He wasn't like one of my top five receivers in that class. I had DK. Uh, I had DK, AJ Brown and Debo Samuel, one, two, three. All right. So and yep, I, I was excited with 49ers being able to get any of those three guys. Nikhil Harry wasn't even in my top five. And a lot of people really liked him. But I'm like, man, I think you guys are really getting sold by these highlights because when you watch him on a consistent basis, especially against the cornerbacks that aren't afraid of him, it's it's not pretty. I was watching him just against uh, against uh, Oregon, and he was struggling to get open, to catch passes. They threw a bunch of 50-50 balls. I mean, they were breaking up passes. And then they had to just start like, well, it was – it's not working just with him running routes. Let's just start throwing screens to him. So they threw a couple of screens to him to try to get him going a little bit. I was curious to see how his game would translate to the NFL. And so far, it looks like he's struggling. But, you know, you work on these things and, and maybe he just learned how to use his body better and, and figure out how to maybe uh, box guys out a little bit more, use his body in, in that way. And maybe with an office coordinator that maybe likes him a little bit more and wants to utilize <laughs> him in that way. Maybe there is a chance he could be successful, but... Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of his coming out. Nope, I agree. And yeah, you mentioned. Both... Go ahead, Wink. Yeah, you mentioned that you know he he wasn't that good against cornerbacks that weren't afraid of him. And yeah, you're in the NFL now. There's going to be zero cornerbacks that are afraid of you in the NFL. When you don't have that skill to threaten anybody, so they're not worried right. about you running by him. You can't break them off underneath with your routes. Then you know, and if you know, and if they're up to the physical challenge of those jump balls then what do you actually have what what is the way that you're going to beat right. a guy and if bill belichick's wanting to move on from you it's probably more about you not being willing to do your job and so maybe there's you know work ethic problems who knows i'm just you know guessing when it comes to that stuff but yeah all in all it's not something that i'd be willing to give up much at all maybe conditional sure if he blows up and does great things then it'd be worth more so you know you put a future pick and a condition on it maybe but you know sixth or seventh round pick maybe and look maybe like Dante pettis you just wait for him to cut him and then you sign him and give him a shot there. But uh, we'll see. We'll find out how much the 49ers really like Terry coming out of Arizona State. And by the way, tomorrow's episode, what, to, it's today's episode because this is a Winky Wednesday. So it's Wednesday's episode of the Peacock and Williamson podcast. I will be chatting with Mike DeBate of Locked on Patriots. We'll talk more about that. And I'll run that by him and see what he thinks the value is of Nikhil Harry. Talking about all kinds of other Patriots things. So check out the Peacock and Williamson show. Check out Croc Talk TV. We'll come back and finish up Winky Wednesday right here. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. You can track all of that all summer long. So many games to bet on. Putting together some parlays I like to do with baseball games. It makes for a fun evening of ball. You get a, an early game, a late game. Maybe an over-under in there somewhere. There's UFC, MMA action, obviously, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, some goofy celebrity boxing matches. <laughs> of course, you can get on that action as well. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online. Use your laptop, mobile device, whatever you want to check out all the great sporting news and sign-up bonuses with contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head over to betonline.ag. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Nicholas Winkler. Come on down. Nicholas. Don't wait. Can't believe it. Wink, I did not play your intro sounder. I mean, I'm sure some listeners out there were like, what the hell? How can we start talking to Wink when you haven't played his sounder? So uh, that's on me. I apologize. Wow. Yeah, I definitely felt off, and now I know why. So yeah. we're, we're back to normal, guys. No, we're, we're good. Yeah, we're back in the groove here. We are absolutely back in the groove. I want to highlight a tweet from Daniel. Daniel <laughs> See, I've seen a few of these. Most people were just stoked right from the get because they heard Croc on the show before. And they're like, oh, you're going to bring Croc on every day? This is awesome. But a few people were like, wait a second now. Don't change things up on me. I like the podcast the way it is. And like every single one of those folks since then just about have been like, dude, this is awesome. And I think the last pod we did, Croc, a lot of folks really liked it talking about the defense. And we might have to talk a little bit more because that has made listeners have some more questions about the 49ers defense. So we'll get into that maybe later in the week when we have more time. But Daniel said, I was not a fan of you having a co-host at the beginning but now i'm loving the new era of the pod and love when at bay area wink joins you guys too you three rock so not a question but just a statement and i think a true statement from daniel so shout out to daniel thanks for listening thank you daniel thanks daniel i see no lies in daniel's tweet by the way how about the truth do you sense lies in joe staley's statement when he was talking to uh, i believe it was kmbr he was talking to and he said one of the things with the super bowl that still gets to him is that nick bosa was not getting the calls and he thinks maybe this thing was not getting called correctly in that game maybe it was one-sided somewhat and let him play then let both teams play if you're gonna call ticky tack stuff on george kittle call ticky tack stuff on the offensive linemen that are trying to block Nick Bosa. Wink, sounds like you think that Joe Staley has a point here, and we talked a lot about this after the Super Bowl. Joe Staley ripping off some old scabs right now for 49ers fans, and I think most people were in agreement, but some people are super mad and and saying uh, that it's that it's BS and um, you know we've been over this, so I don't know. What, what are your thoughts here on, on some of these statements from Joe Staley about the Super Bowl? I mean, anybody who watched the Super Bowl saw it. You know, it was pretty clear he's just getting... You know, up under his shoulder pads, lifted up. There's a lot of great photos out there, still shots of it happening. That being said, like, let's just move on from it. It it, it obviously is mm-hmm. still, like you said, he ripped open a scab. It's something that we've kind of come to terms with. It's a couple years later. We've moved on. Like, let's let's go forward because this is a game where when there's a referee involved, there's always that possibility of human error. And, and it didn't work for the 49ers. It wasn't in their favor in this case. And just to keep pulling it up like that, especially from somebody who played in the game, you know, somebody who was there firsthand. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's a tough one to, to have to swallow. <laughs> so many fans are like, yeah, see, even Joe Staley says it. He's on to something there, and I'm with you. It's like, yeah, he's probably right, but we have to turn the page. We've already turned What are you going to do? Move on from there. It's too late for that. But I could see why, if you're a player, that would really hurt. You know, Joe, Joe Staley played right. for a long time and then retired right after that. It was just, that was his shot at the ring, and he wasn't able to get it. So, yeah, whatever. Joe, you, you can be a mad as long as you want. I am no longer mm-hmm. mad about it. Wink, it sounds like he's no longer mad about it. Croc, what is your thoughts on this about letting guys play, about ticky-tack penalties from a former professional defensive back who was very handsy, who probably got flagged a lot? No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm not going to put you on there, Croc. But uh, <laughs> Croc's a technique guy. You don't you didn't need to grab, right? Because your feet were in the right place. If you're grabbing, that means you're getting beat. Isn't that the way it goes? Uh, No. <laughs> I think you just grab just to grab. Like... Like sometimes I see guys put their hand on the guy and everybody, you know, in my comments, like, man, look at he's, he's grabbing this, he's grabbing the receiver. And I'm like, 
he's just trying to feel the feel for the receiver, right? Like not all grabs are created the same. Now, if you just blatantly pull a guy down, I get it. Maybe much like the offensive lineman holding on for dear life with <laughs> with uh, Nick Bosa. Right. It's like I, you know, I get it. But in general, man, like I mean, we're you're gonna get handsy, just like on the offensive line. You can probably call holding every play if you want to. Right. Uh, it's the same thing on the defensive side. But as far as Staley's comments go, man, I mean, I always try to look at what I could have done better. And I think that's what the 49ers should do. Like, what could we have done better to win this game and take it out of the referee's hands? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the bigger thing more so than anything that they, you know, was a missed call. You know, there were several blown opportunities by the 49ers and their offense, whether it was, you know, a wrong route being ran or missing a throw, balls getting batted down. You know, you let their elite players take over the game and you didn't make enough plays to put the game away. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I look at it. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah, it's tough. We we've all moved on from the Super Bowl, so I don't want to talk about it a lot. But it's I it's, haven't even watched it though. I still haven't watched the game. You yet. never watched it back? No. I actually watched specifically some of those things. There's um play calling in the fourth quarter was a big question. So I wanted to go make sure and make notes and, and look at all those things. So I really looked closely at those things and took notes on it. And then it was the 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 penalty stuff is the other big thing that I went and looked at and took notes on and looked at it and there there are plays where Nick Bosa is carrying Eric Fisher like he's a backpack and it's like <laughs> this is, should be a, like I don't know what, specifically if the rules if it's because of the point in the game where refs sort of swallow their whistles late in games right you know that happens but he's getting held like what's like what's the spirit of the rule are we letting a play or not then why are we calling the George Kill penalty you know so that's I fair gripes for sure with those things but we've moved on and I don't think we should talk about it anymore, but what we should talk about is the future when it comes to Joe Staley. How about this? Staley said that Kyle Shanahan wants him on the 49ers coaching staff. He was there when Kyle Shanahan's throwing a football across the street into a pizza oven, which is a sentence I thought I would never say. What do you You're going to hit a kid. <laughs> yeah. Joe Staley's the <laughs> adult in the room, by the way, yeah. in that moment, right? Uh, <laughs> probably a bigger man that can handle his, his uh, IPAs a little better too. And he's like, Hey Kyle, you know, the only way 175 pounds, we've had the same amount of IPAs calm down with the throwing a football across the street. But what do you think Joe Staley, maybe assistant offensive line coach, assistant, uh, maybe uh offensive line coach of the future head coach of the future of some football team. I, I think Joe Staley would make a fantastic coach. What do you think? Shanahan might want him on the 49ers coaching staff. I can't imagine anybody would say no to that. Yeah, I mean, there was a few times I got to go into the locker room and actually interview the 49ers post game. And when Joe Staley would speak, he was he was holding court. You know, like everyone was like, oh, Joe, Joe just came out. Everyone would just crowd around him, smiles, and he would just be this and that and this. And that. I mean, the guy's super charismatic. He knows his football. He knows what he's doing. Like that's he's a leader. He was a leader from the day they drafted him until the day he retired. And there's no reason not to bring a guy like that back. I mean, he's a locker room guy. Like, if nothing else, he'd be in there making everybody laugh, you know, and, and just kind of uplifting the spirits of everybody. If, if I'm Joe Staley, I, I want to go to TV. You know, I said the same thing yeah. about, like, uh, uh, Richard Sherman. There were a lot of people with Richard Sherman, like, oh, Richard Sherman, like, he's so wise. He's so great. He needs, you know, he's already a coach on the field. Like, he needs to get into coaching when he's done. And I'm like, Psh. if I'm Richard Sherman with that personality and that charisma, I'm taking my butt to TV. And the money's in Staley, television. I would do the same thing. Not just the money, the time, man. Like the, right. the, the time, time that they put into coaching, dude, those are grueling hours. You got to be up there before everybody. You're there after everybody leaves. You're there all day. You know, you have all this responsibility. I would much rather just 
talk about sports like you and I, but still get paid multiple million dollars a year to do so. So if I'm Joe Staley, take that smile and and that lovable personality straight to ESPN. They'll pay them big bucks. Some people love that grind, though. You know, some people just need that in their life. They need that. I got to be there every day. I want to be in it. You know, he there could be just that that missing piece in his life where it's that, you know, and so hopefully for the 49ers sake, that's the case, but I think you're totally right. He'd be amazing on television. When you're that good, like like not yeah. everybody can just go to TV, but you right, know, when right. you are Richard Sherman, when you are Joe Staley, you have a heads up. Now, when Richburg retires, he might have to get into coaching, right? Like, you know, right. Western Richburg, he might have to get into coaching. You know, I don't know if anybody's going to pay him big bucks to get him on CBS or anything, but Joe Staley, I think mm. he has his ticket made. Or I, I bet they're already lined up for him and was like, hey, whenever you're ready to come on here, come on. Right. Yeah, they should be if they're not. All right. Um, let's get into a, a few more notes here. The 49ers passing on Mac Jones. Will they regret it? That coming up next and finish up this Winky Wednesday. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like jalapeno? Recently, if you find that one, give it a shot. I was pleasantly surprised. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter is my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. Salted caramel, double chocolate, raspberry, some of the classic flavors there, and they're filtering through new flavors all the time. Something for everyone. And as we know from the Built Bar bracket, some passionate fans about their favorite flavors. Not only are Built Bar the best tasting protein bars on the market, they're healthy too. We're talking 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. You can find a flavor that satisfies you or build your own box of Built Bars and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. You know, just thinking about it for a second, talking about Joe Staley and Richard Sherman and and what their post-playing careers will look like, John Lynch did it, and he had a cushy TV job, and that competitive fire was still burning in him to the point where he wanted to go back and be GM. Now, he didn't go back and have to be assistant GM, area scout, and work his way up. He got to roll in as GM, so maybe that's a little bit different. And I know that Richard Sherman has talked about going into personnel. Maybe GM is his path as well, less so than coaching. Still a lot of hours, but uh, I'm with you, Croc. And and I'm thinking about, like, who are, are there any great players that made a bunch of money in the NFL that went into coaching? Because most great, great coach. coaches Ed, are Ed, bad players. Like Ed Reed. Ed Reed wanted to get into coaching. He mm. jumped straight into it um, in the field, but I think it was hard for him to really, like, take hold. You know, it, it's kind of hard sometimes. I don't want to pull the card, but, like, sometimes for minorities, it's a little bit harder for a guy like, say, like, Ed Reed, who you played all these years, right, in the NFL, and then that kind of playing the 15, 16 years in the NFL actually takes you away from coaching where a guy like Sean McVay, who got into coaching at the age of 22 and is able to kind of work his way up and, and mm-hmm. just solidify himself right away, it's just a little bit easier, you know, transition for him. So I, I heard Ed Reed kind of complaining about that where he really wanted to get into coaching, but I think he had a hard time doing it. Now he is on uh, University of Miami staff doing something. I don't know if it's DBs or whatnot, but – uh, he is involved to you know to some extent. That's a good point. Good. You're you don't get to start your coaching reps early enough if you play into your mid thirties. Right. And you, when you've made that much money, do you want to start at the bottom 
rung. And so that's a, that's a great point there. And that's probably another reason why maybe, I mean, and I think for certain personalities, I think it's maybe for bad players, they had to do more different things to be good and see the game differently to even compete in some ways. And I think there's also a personality thing. You talked about Staley being a natural for TV. Not every player is really good on TV and they've tried to force players into TV roles and it doesn't work. Like players play coaches, coach, Scouts, scout, broadcasters, broadcast, right? And, and I see it a lot where it's, it doesn't Jason just, Witten. Yeah, just because you play doesn't mean you're going to be a great GM, a great coach. Right. In fact, in most cases, they're not. And it doesn't mean you're going to be a great broadcaster. Even if you have this knowledge, sometimes you're just not good at, at getting it out there. So, um, yeah, uh, it really helps if you've played. It helps you open some doors, but that doesn't mean you're going to be good at that next thing either. Witten yeah, went on of- TV. Uh, Witten went on TV with the toupee. And then <laughs> they say, you know what, you are terrible. Bad look so bad. and just he's, bad you know at broadcasting. He said, yeah. you know what, I'm just going to go play football again. I'm going to go play for the Raiders. I'll took be back. His head off, took the toupee off, went and played football. Oh, and he had just he had straight up just fake hair on his head, right? That was a rug. Right. Whereas we saw with LeBron, there was a couple other, was it Carlos Boozer? Who was the other NBA guy? Yeah, we had like that little, spray uh... can stuff on. I was like, what are you doing? How could you have thought you were going to pass this off as real hair? I was blown away when I saw that stuff. <laughs> that, that was Boozer. Yeah, his his hair, he basically spray, like spray painted his entire head. Oh, <laughs> insane. That was insane. I could not believe he tried that, dude. That's great. Back to the coaching thing real quick. You guys mentioned, you know, how many great players have then become coaches later. I, I don't think it's many. You see a lot of like fringe guys, you know, like Byron Leftwich, you see Eric Bieniemy, even like a Gary Kubiak, you know, somebody who was in the NFL a long time, but didn't do a whole lot. You know? so a lot they of clipboards. A, yeah, so exactly. They held the clipboard for a lot of time. They're like, okay, now I get it. I'm, I'm listening to the coaches all the time. So that was kind of their early into coaching. Last one here to finish it up. This was from Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots for ESPN. And I want to get his full quote correct here. He said, quote, I believe the Patriots will be sending a big thank you note to the San Francisco 49ers for passing on Mac Jones with the number three overall draft pick. He slid all the way to England at number 15 and has made a strong first impression on coaches and players. And this quote, tying Kendrick Bourne back into all of this, This quote from Kendrick Bourne says, talking about Mac Jones, he has a swag to him that I didn't know that he had at first. He's out there confident, and that is what you need in a quarterback. Good energy, awesome guy, comes to work, and you just feel his energy and leadership already. What do you guys think? Wink, we'll start with you. Are the 49ers, or I mean, are the Patriots and Bill Belichick going to send the 49ers a thank you note for passing on Mac Jones at number three? I think there's a way to respond. No, there's only one way to respond to that, and that is thumbs down. <laughs> I don't buy it, not for a second. That's what Kendrick Bourne has to say. Like, you got to be good about your quarterback. Uh, yeah, that's true. Hey, I never heard this is I. Uh, this just came to me, and I I guarantee you, there's a tweet that says this exact thing. I never heard Kendrick Bourne say that about Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> right, Chuck? Multiple tweets like that out there. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Look, and to me, Croc, look, like when it comes to the draft, and I've talked a lot about the trade up and everything, if anything, the 49ers regret, it's not going to be that they chose who they chose at three. They went through this whole process and they had a month to do it. And uh, apparently it did come down to those two guys. The thing they might regret is like, oh, shoot, we could add Mac Jones and not giving up those picks and stayed at 12 if Jones ends up being the guy. And maybe even post-draft, they thought that anyway. Like, oh, well, we misread that one. We paid too much to get up. But... uh, 
No, I mean, it could happen. Look, I mean, it's not like the guys get drafted in the order that they end up playing like in the NFL. That just doesn't happen. So somebody who was drafted after, somebody is going to be better than the guy who was drafted in front of them. That's just going to happen. Landing spots, so many things factor into all this, injuries. But you can't come through this process, Croc, right, for the 49ers and have drafted Mac Jones at three. Like, that just wasn't going to happen. That could not have happened. Here's my question. Why are the 49ers going to regret it? Why, why, not the, why not the Bears? Are the Bears not going to regret trading up, you know, all the way to pick 11 mm-hmm. for Justin Fields? You're just going to skip right over them and, and, and go all the way up to number three and, you know, just, oh, 49ers, you guys are going to regret this. Like, or, come on, man. How about this one? The Jets. The Jets yeah. could have made a trade with the 49ers, potentially, right? And maybe one of those quarterbacks turns out better. They could have done the trade with the Niners, got all those extra picks, and drafted a better quarterback later if Zach Wilson, who's his mom is kind of off the hook right now on social media, apparently. Mm-hmm. I haven't really watched, I haven't seen all of those <laughs> tweets or Instagram messages or whatever, but apparently I've seen some people reference it. So, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson's mom apparently is going off. I'm not even sure what that's all about. Hit it's not the it. Niners, too. I mean, it could be Miami. It could be Jacksonville. Like, all these other teams could regret it or oh, yeah. rue the day. Broncos didn't draft a quarterback. Right. Panthers. Vikings. Vikings, uh, Vikings wanted to trade to, up for Fields, right? And then they got usurped by the Bears. But what I'm thinking with the Vikings thing, you must not have liked them very much because it shouldn't have taken much to go from 14 to 11. So either you're just way lowballing or, or something because the team went from 20 to get him. It wasn't like the team that was at 15 went and got him. So. Right. Well, they tried to lowball the Panthers, that's for sure. We saw that on video. Yep. But, I mean, even then, I'm, t- I'm talking about the Vikings passing on uh, Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Are they going to regret it? Oh, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, and I feel like as, as far as, like, the positive vibes coming out about Mac Jones, what are you supposed to say? Even with the 49ers, like, right. of course, Trey Lance looks good in OTAs. Like, of course, uh, Trevor Lawrence is the leader and everything that they expected him to be, you know. And it's the same thing with Mac Jones. Mac Jones, oh man, he he works hard. I mean, we 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 knew that. We know he's that type of guy. We know he's gonna. Okay, what about when them edge rushers come? What is right. he gonna do then? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is he like dad fat still as a twenty two year old? <laughs> How's that body gonna age? Right, he's got to put some work in. He's got to follow the TB twelve, or his career's not gonna go well. Because if you're already built like that as a twenty year old, like I mean, like you guys know what it was like. It's impossible to gain weight when you're 20 years old if you're built right. a certain way. To, to look and have the body that Mac Jones did and played Alabama, that is like a weird red flag. Like that, that, even if it's not because of work ethic, it's almost even more. It's almost like you want him to have a bad work ethic because there's a reason for it. If he's working his butt off and he looks like that, what's he going to look like when he's 28? Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying any positive anything about Mac Jones saying that he's working hard and doing all these things until I see his body change. I yep. see body change and I, then I was okay. Maybe he is really working. And I was one that thought, and I said this on the show uh, during the draft process, Hey, maybe he can be even better if he just took care of his body. Yeah. Maybe he can be a little bit more elusive. Maybe he can be a little bit more quicker. Like some guys are kind of maxed out, right? You look at Trey Lance. He's just this big physical freak and he's probably maxed out with whatever he's going to be. Mac Jones, I like, do. There's like a better version of you if you just improved your body. That'll probably improve your arm strength and your mobility and all these other things that people have a question about. But is he going to put in the work to do it? You got to sacrifice a little bit. I'm struggling with that now. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like you're talking about me. Like I feel like <laughs> yeah, I got some work to do. That. 
we are all feeling that. But look, Tom Brady did it. Tom Brady looks better at 43 than he did at 23. You know, that's just well, like, that's the reality. Tom Brady, he kind of looks, he's added a little bit of muscle, but he wasn't like this fat out of shape guy. No, he no. just had zero he muscle. Skinny. On he just yeah, didn't look, he just looked like he just didn't work out at all. Just went, went to practice and that's it. Right. Yeah. He looked like he like did swim meets and stuff all throughout college, but with <laughs> actually they had more muscle than he had. Yeah. But well, with, that's the thing Jones, is like, I think back in those days too, cause look, this is 20 years ago. Back in those days, guys literally went to practice and then went to class or went to class and then went to practice and then went to study hall. Right. It wasn't like yeah. these state of the art facilities. I'm sure it was nice at Michigan in, in 1998 or whatever, but it wasn't right. like what Alabama's 2020 facility was like. Yeah, nah, especially yeah, Mac Jones and I mean Devonte Smith too is like, dude, you have no muscle at all. I, I don't know. I'm kind of questioning Alabama's weight program. Yeah, what is going on there? Like they they just recruit with this big building, but nobody ever goes in it. <laughs> the defense just keeps everybody else out. They're like, nope, this is ours. All right. Anyway, we're out of time here, so we will continue some conversations tomorrow. Crocker and I we're going to look at the secondary and do our last rookie scouting report on. USC safety, Talanoa, Hufanga, and probably more of your questions to finish off the week uh, Friday, or maybe we'll, do, maybe we'll hit the mailbag a little harder on Thursday and do DBs on Friday's episode. But either way, hit us up on Twitter at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker. Say hi to Wink at Bay Area Wink as well. Nick, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on another Wednesday. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow right here, Locked on 49ers. See you.